This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I'm excited about this morning. I want to speak to you about something that I've titled Victories at the Place of Decision. Victories at the Place of Decision. Once, huh? Yeah, and Allison said it. So anyway, that's the end of the service, and we'll see you all next week. <laughs> One of the happiest things to being a father is when your, when your kids like to come home. You like it when your kids want to come home. I love the fact that my kids want to come home. They love going out and they love going to football practice and they work really hard and they have lots of fun of it and they enjoy it with their friends and they get to do what they love. And the thing is, when they finish it, I want to go home. They don't want to go to school, but they do go to school. Actually, Colton's the only one who doesn't want to go. The others do. And they go off and they do their thing at school, but I want to go home. Vivi does her lacrosse and she goes and she travels and she does it. But when I'm finished, I want to go home. I like going to my friend's house because we have lots of fun over there. And we have license and we do things that my mom and dad have no clue what we're doing. But after a night, I want to go home. Why do they want to go home? I want to go home because home is where you belong. Home is, it's just that place that on the inside of you goes, it's just right. I can live in other places. Get fed. Have community. Nice social environment, roof over my head, but it's not home. I want to go home. Home is where I belong. Home is where I fit. Home is where things are right. Home is what informs who I am. Home begins to do something about who I am that gives me a sense of place and identity. And it gives me what I need to be able to go out in the world because in the world out there, everybody's got ideas about who I am and what I should be and what I should be like and how I should be living. And I'm bombarded with all this kind of stuff. But what keeps me grounded and what keeps me happy, what keeps me firm and what keeps me solid is I've been home. And when I was home, I had some stuff put on the inside of me. And you know what gave it credibility? Dad told me. You can tell me some stuff, but you're not dad. You see, dad runs home. And when dad runs home, dad creates an environment. And when I spend time at home, dad's environment and dad's love and dad's influence begins to affect who I am. And so I might go out into the world and I might experience the world, but what keeps me grounded, what keeps me stable, what keeps me entrenched on a a solid foundation despite everything that's happening around me is the fact that I came from a solid home. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, Jesus has been out and Jesus has been, uh, he hasn't eaten for 40 days. And so the devil comes to tempt him. And Matthew 5, verse 5, uh, Jesus makes an interesting comment. He says, that was your cue, Donna. I gave you like three minutes. <laughs> uh, four minutes, okay. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's easy to get caught up in a lot of the other things that are happening in the story, but I think what's particularly pertinent and what I want to underscore is what he says in that in that verse. He's talking about bread and he's talking about the word of God. When he's talking about bread, he's talking about things that feed the natural man. But when he's talking about the word of God, he's talking about the things that feed the spirit man. What he's saying is this. 
if you want to be victorious in life, if you want to overcome in life, if you want to experience the fullness of what life is all about, you're going to have bread and you're going to have to have word. What he's saying is, it's not an either or equation. Very often we as Christians, what we end up doing is, we always want to be black or white, either or, this or that. It's, it's always, we find it sometimes really hard to find ourselves in a comfortable spot in the middle of the road to sit and say, I see the value of that, I see the contribution of that without having to fall into a trench on either side. What he's saying is, you need bread and you need spirit. You need to find yourself in the world and you need to become accustomed with the environment in which he placed you in. It's the earth. Learn about the earth. Find out. Get educated. Have some good influence in your life. Get yourself in a place where you have some people who can make some deposits into your life so that you make good decisions. When I make good decisions, what ends up happening is I make good choices. The thing about it is, as you navigate life, you might be in the space that God has created for you, but he designed for you to live out of relationship with him. And so his word becomes important to me. I'm supposed to be a spiritual entity having a natural experience. I cannot negate the fact that I'm a spiritual entity and live solely by bread. It's called a carnal Christian. A carnal Christian is aware of the fact that God is there and uh, I love God and I, I am committed to God, but I live from bread alone. God calls us to live from bread, but also from the word of God. What he's saying to us is this. I need for you to understand that as you navigate your path through life and as you move through different places, you're going to discover that there are things that you're capable of doing. There are choices you're capable of making because I'm on the inside of you. But there are going to come places in your life where you're going to need the resources of, from what I can tr- contribute in your life. The reason that he introduces us to kingdom is because kingdom was designed to provide for our life. That is what kingdom is about. When we speak about kingdom, we're sitting saying, I want to connect with the resources of heaven. I want to connect with the God who's more than enough. I want to be the one who finds myself at a place where I'm able to live from bread, but at the same time, I'm living from the word of God. What's happening in my life is I'm recognizing the fact that I can move to a place where God will supply all of my needs from his kingdom. Philippians 4 verse 19, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. What he's saying is, where is glory? Glory is the heavenly realm. Glory is that place where that is defined by the domain of the king. It's his kingdom. What he's saying is he's going to provide for you. Don't end up in a ditch. There are so many principles to the Christian life that are so important and so fundamental to us. And everything that that God teaches is always open to abuse. People can abuse things in a multitude of different ways, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the principle is bad. And sometimes what we end up doing is because somebody abuses something, it may be prosperity, it may be, you know, confession of the... There are different things that people abuse. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are things that are in there for a reason. They have a purpose and a place. And if I simply discount them and move away from them, I end up in a compromised situation in my ability to actually live the way that he's called me to live. It's important for us to understand that when Jesus came, Jesus never came to introduce us to salvation. He came to introduce us to the kingdom. You see, salvation is part of the kingdom. The challenge is that there are too many churches and all they do is they preach about salvation. And the problem with the salvation message is that the salvation message is all about you going to heaven. 
The kingdom message is all about you bringing heaven to earth. There's a big difference. It doesn't exclude uh, the salvation message. What it says is salvation is a doorway into the kingdom. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. What he was saying is unless you get born again, you don't get in. You've got to have it. The problem with it is all we, if all we ever preach about is the doorway, we've never invited anybody into the palace. Everybody's sitting at the door celebrating the fact that heaven is up there somewhere. They don't recognize if they actually opened the door and they walked through it, they would begin to experience and encounter what heaven's all about. Our destiny may be heaven, but your assignment is to bring heaven to earth. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. Jesus is talking, and um, he, may, he says this, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Do not worry. I'm going to carry on with this chapter a little bit, but I want to just look at this verse for a few minutes. He gets onto some other things and he starts to speak about the kingdom a little bit later in the chapter. But what's important about this is he's making an important point. And what he's saying is, as long as you're living by bread alone, you're going to spend your life worrying. You see, when you spend your life in, with bread alone, what I'm doing is I, I'm looking at what I'm capable of doing. I'm looking at my own capacities and my own abilities. And if anybody's been alive for longer than five minutes, you're going to realize that there are limitations to what I can do. And when I enter those places, when I get into those spheres, all of a sudden I have to start making some choices about what it is that I'm wanting to do. I have to all of a sudden sit and say, well, what's going to happen in this place? And when I find that what is required to alleviate the situation or to remedy it or to bring about some changes in that situation, the problem with it is if it's beyond my control, the first thing I began to do is I get anxious and I worry. What he's saying is, do not worry about things. He's saying your life is in the kingdom and in his righteousness. 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. What he's saying to you is this. I'm wanting to shift your mindset. We, we are born into a world where we are expected, no matter whether we're born again or not, to become functional people. The more functional we become, the more we're able to live our lives functionally. The problem with it is, is that it excludes God's contribution and God's um, involvement in our lives. So what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to shift our mindset. We are trained from an early age. Be self-dependent. Take care of yourself. Look after yourself. Do what you need to do. And what God's saying is, I hear everything that you're saying. The problem with it is it's an invitation to worry. He's saying your life shouldn't be in your hands. Your life should be in the kingdom and in his righteousness. And when it moves to that place and I begin to change my thinking so that I'm not looking to the natural realm with regularity to find everything that I need, but I take my sight and I begin to look at the kingdom and I begin to depend on the kingdom to supply my every needs. It changes the paradigm. 
I changed my life because all of a sudden I moved to a place where I started recognizing the fact that God can supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. It's called the journey of faith. As I move into that and I begin to walk along that path, the more that I meet God and the more that I experience God's provision in my life, the more I can depend on him for greater things. What's happening? I'm growing in more expansion and expanding. I'm discovering that God can do some stuff in my life that I can't do. And what's happening is I'm recognizing that life is in the kingdom. It's not in the world. When we discover ourselves in that place, we position ourselves in a spot that Mark... uh, No. We position ourselves in a place where all things will be added unto you. That's where we want to be. All things will be added unto me. So we're beginning to recognize the value of the kingdom and the contribution that the kingdom makes. He goes on, and if you go from um, verse 25, stay in the same chapter, but if you go to verse 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first. In the first two words, he says a whole lot about the priorities of our life. What he's saying is what's most important to you. The priority of our life should be to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. He's wanting to shift our mindset from where we are. He's wanting how to shift our mindset so that as we walk our way through life and as we experience different aspects of life, we're accommodating and with regularity looking for where is the kingdom in this situation? How do I experience the kingdom in this situation? He's saying to us, prioritize, seek first the kingdom. As long as I'm living in the natural realm, the boundary to my life without the kingdom is the sense realm. It's what I can do. It's what I can take care of. It's good and healthy to do that in the best way you can. But what kingdom offers you is it repositions you. And it takes you beyond the natural realm to a place where Mark chapter 9 and verse 23 says, All things are possible to those who believe. The realm of possibility and the realm of God takes you beyond the things that you can do. That's why God says it's important for us to live by bread and the word of God. We have to have both of those things as a part of who we are and where we're going. Are you with me this morning? Everybody's very quiet. So he's wanting to do some stuff with us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. There are two important aspects to this. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm going to deal with the kingdom of God today and then next week we're going to talk about all of his, uh, his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Um, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And verse 3. Here they are. I found them. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. If we're wanting to live a lifestyle where we're looking for God's contribution and the, the kingdom's um, intervention in our life with regularity, what you're really looking is you're looking for spiritual blessings. Anytime the kingdom manifests itself, it manifests itself in something called a blessing. That's the nature of what the kingdom's about. So when he's talking about spiritual blessings, what he says to us is he says something quite interesting. He says, if you're wanting to lay hold of spiritual blessings, you need to access heavenly places through Christ Jesus. Who wants to be blessed? (laughs) Everybody wants to have blessing. The, The strange thing is, there is something innately a part of who we are as human beings, even when we're not born again. Have you ever noticed people who are not born again and they don't have a relationship with God and they find themselves in a really awkward place when things are tough and things are hard and things aren't working the way that they should? And invariably, what's the first thing that comes out of their mouth? Well, we'll just have to pray. I've heard it so often from people. And I know they're not born again. And what they're really saying is, I understand that I've come to the threshold of my life. I understand that I'm sitting at the very boundary fence of my life because what's required of me is out there and I can't get it. And what they're saying is, there's got to be something out there who can come in and help me. All of us have been at that place sometime in our life. All of us have experienced something where we're sitting saying, I can't do this. I need God. I'm at the boundary fence of my life. I need his intervention. I need a blessing. I need something from heaven to come into the space and to redefine it and open up opportunities for me to walk into victory. That's what he's talking about. He's saying if you want to lay hold of what Christ has made available to you through grace, if you want to lay hold of what the heavenly lifestyle is that's supposed to define who we are and how we're supposed to be living, there's a way to do it. And he says the way that you lay hold of it is by accessing heavenly places. Heavenly places is talking about heaven is the domain of God. It's the domain of the king. It's his kingdom. What he's saying is, if you want to get the blessings of God, you have to access the kingdom. How do we do that? Through Christ. Christ died so that you can walk into a place where you can recognize him for what he's done. We can get to a place where we can sit and say, Jesus, I just want to thank you for who you are and what you've provided for me. And I want to thank you that you offer me the opportunity to come in and to wash me and make me clean. And once we do that, what comes into us is the very life of him. We get born again. But he told Nicodemus, if you get born again, you've just entered the kingdom. What was he saying? He was saying this. Home is where the heart is. Home is where the heart is. Home has come back and home has taken up residence on the inside of you. 
What he's saying is, if you want to come home, get back to your heart. If you want to come home to who you are, if you want to come home to that sense of belonging, if you want to come home to that place that begins to define who you are, if you want to get back to home when that place is that begins to equip you for what it is that you need out in the world, home has come back and home has taken up residence on the inside of you. Home is the kingdom. He is the father. What he's saying is, I'm looking for you to come home and to live from home. When I come home, I begin to discover some things because I'm moving to the domain and the presence of the father. And he begins to put some stuff into me. You know what's amazing about being a father is that father's blessing follows his will. When they know what Father wants to do and they go out and they, they're doing the will of the Father, what ends up happening is everything that they need to accomplish that follows them. I want you to go to college. You know what the amazing thing is about college? Because we want you to go and have a great education. What you're going to find is what you need to be able to fulfill college is going to go with you. We will find a way to get you into that space. We will find a way for the provision to be there so that you can get into that place and you can get a good, ed- good education. What ends up happening is when I discover the will of what the Father wants and I begin to do His will, what I find is that the support and everything necessary, the provision to make that happen is available because I'm operating from home. If he told me, one of my kids, that they wanted to become a beach bum in Jamaica, what they would find is that the provision wasn't there. It doesn't mean provision doesn't exist. What it means is I've made a decision outside of his will and I want to go and do my own thing. I cannot go and do my own thing and live in the expectation that he provide for me. It wasn't part of my plan for you to end up on the beach of Jamaica. So he says something interesting. What I want you to get about what this verse is is saying is this. What it's saying is, if you want to lay hold of the blessings of the kingdom, we do not get to do that as long as we're living in the natural realm on earth. As long as we're living from bread, you're never going to live from the word. As long as we're taking care of my life and what I want to do and how I want to do it. As long as I'm looking after myself. As long as I'm doing everything that I can do over here to the exclusion of the word of God. What ends up happening is what he's saying is it's available. It's accessible to you. The problem with it is you're not going to discover it as long as you're only living in the natural realm. What he's saying is if you want to lay hold of it, you have to step into the spiritual realm. If you want to lay hold of it, you have to move into that place which is in the heavenlies. That's why Jesus says to us, you have a a requirement to bring heaven to earth. What is he saying? He's talking about your life. What he's saying is I'm recognizing the fact that everything that you need is available and accessible to you at home. The thing is, if you want to run off and you want to live at your friend's house, that's great. But you don't get the blessing of home as long as you're living at your friend's home. Where you get the blessing of home is when I sit and say, I'm moving into my home space. 
And because the home space is on the inside of me, I'm taking something that is spiritual in nature and I'm introducing it into the natural realm. I'm bringing that which is of the kingdom, that which is the domain of the king, that which is heaven, and I'm bringing it into earth. And I'm saying, okay, now that I've introduced heaven to earth, now I can live at a place where I can sit and say, where are the blessings? You'll discover the blessings when we're able to bring heaven to earth. Doesn't that sound like a great concept? I know, and you're all sitting saying, well, how do I do that? Especially Jim. Jim always asks me that. And so, I have an answer for you. In fact, Jesus has an answer for you. If you turn, in fact, chapter 6, verses um, 9 and 10. Jesus is talking. And so he's telling them how they need to pray. And he says this. In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what the problem is with that verse? We've heard it so often that we usually just bounce around and we end up bring heaven to earth. And it's like, and what else you got? But there are two important keys in there that Jesus is talking about, about how you bring practically heaven to earth. He starts off and he says this. This is how you pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, he's recognizing the difference in realms, hallowed be thy name. What he's saying is this. He starts off his prayer By recognizing the Father and honoring the Father through worship and through intimacy. Key number one. If you're wanting to introduce the kingdom, we have to welcome the kingdom with a heart of worship and invited into that space. We live from this idea that God's kingdom is always just there. It's not. God's kingdom is within you. But you get it outside of you when you make a choice. You get it outside of you when you go on a search, when you sit and say... I want to find the kingdom with what's going on right now. There's a lot of madness happening right at the moment. And there are a lot of voices going on everywhere and all around me. And there are a lot of people telling me what it is that I should be doing. And my mind is thinking about all of this stuff and considering the options and where I've been and what my history tells me and what my education has told me and what my environment has told me. And my emotions are off the charts screaming this, that, and the next thing. Find the kingdom! Seek ye first, prioritize in the mess and in the, in the, the murkiness that becomes a priority to sit and say, I'm not deciding until I found the kingdom. 
I know what my emotions are telling me. I know what the thoughts are telling me. I know, I know everything. But until I found the kingdom, I'm doing nothing. Seek first the kingdom. That is what worship is about. Worship comes from the, it's, it's, a, it's a broken up of two words. It's worth-ship. It's seeing the worth and recognizing the value of something. Worship at a very practical level says, you know what? I hear all that's going on. I feel a whole bunch of stuff on the inside of me. I have a whole bunch of thoughts on the inside of me. But none of that has value. None of that has worth. Where is the kingdom? Because if I find the will of the kingdom and I sit and say, that is what I value. That is what I place worth on. That is the direction I'm going to be going. That's called a lifestyle of worship. It's good to come in on Sundays and celebrate God and praise God for what he's done. It's good to come in on Sundays and worship him for who he is and what he's all about. But the fundamental heart of what worship is all about is adjusting my lifestyle and my disposition so I live from a place of worth and value. And as I navigate life and as I make decisions in life, I'm always at a place where I'm sitting saying, where is kingdom? Because that's where I find worth. Where is kingdom? Because that's where I find value. And when I discover kingdom, I make a decision to move in that direction. Why? Because I'm living a life of worship. What I'm saying to him is, I'm not doing anything until I find it. I'm searching. I'm looking. I'm listening. I'm waiting. Seek first the kingdom. And when you find the kingdom and what the kingdom wants to do in that space... I ascribe worth and value to it when I sit and say, that's the way I'm taking my life. What it says is in a meaningful, in a measurable, and in an accountable way, you are number one in my life. It's easy to say, I love you with the love of the Lord, and I bless you, Lord, and I praise you, and I give you my life, and I give you my... It's easy to do that, and it's not that anything's wrong with it, but you'll know if you mean it. The first time adversity comes and you're confronted by it. The first time you have to make a decision and it's like, where is your worth and where is your value? We live a life of worship. We live a life that says I esteem and I value. Kingdom is number one. He goes on and he says, Thy kingdom come, which is really the objective. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus accomplished the will of the Father. Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. John chapter 5, verse 19. I only do the things I see the Father do. Which introduces us to key number two when it comes to introducing heaven. Heaven comes as long as we are walking 
in the center of the will of God. Heaven doesn't come when I want to live by the way I want to live. Heaven doesn't come when I'm moved by emotions. Heaven doesn't come when I'm moved by my thinking. Heaven doesn't come when society has an opportunity to influence me. Heaven comes when I discover the will of who he is and what it is that the kingdom's looking for. And I sit and I say, I only do the will of the Father. It's a decision that we make. Kingdom doesn't come in power and fullness unless we reach a stage in our life where we can say, thy kingdom come, I surrender all. Don't think it's not going to come without surrender. God met with a man called Adam. Adam. No, he didn't meet. He met with Adam, but I don't want to talk about that. He met with another man called Abraham. (laughs) We'll talk about that. He met with a man called Abraham. Abraham back then. And he started talking to him. And he was talking to him about a son that he was going to have. And he started telling him about the son that he was going to have. The challenge with it was he never had any offspring. And he was old. We all know the story. But the point I want to make in this is this. Somehow, we imagine that Abram's life was so different to ours and that he never faced the battles that we did. There's a reason that he became the father of faith. You know why? Because in everything, he was at a place where he was able to sit and say, Thy will be done, not mine. When everything was screaming against what God had promised him, his body was saying, Abram, you're in a bad place, buddy. You're old as can be. It's old. 90 is old by anybody's standards. Not only is he old, his body's like, you're shooting blanks. I've got bad news for you. You've got no life. It's not happening. His wife comes out and says, check me. It's all gone. It's finished. It's not going to happen. You think he didn't think about that? You don't think he had a look at the reality of where he found himself? Of course he was aware of it. You don't think for a moment that his circumstances were screaming at him? His wife was telling him, his environment, his body, his infertility, everything shouting at him, this is the reality. Do you don't think that there was a side to him that was a little bit apprehensive about it? There was a side to him that wondered, is this really for real? There wasn't a side to him that kind of went, you know what? I don't know, I'm a bit nervous about this whole thing. All of it was there. All of it was there. Despite everything, he said, you know what? Your will be done. If we want heaven to come, there is a place in our life where we have to sit and say, I live from a point of surrender and death 
to myself. And that's at a practical level where you put stuff to death. I don't care what I'm thinking. I don't care what my body tells me. I know what it looks like. I know what it feels like. I know the challenges with it. I understand all the issues with my wife. I know all of this stuff. But, God. Yes, my emotions are scared. Yes, there's upheaval. Yes, there's anxiety. There might even be some questions about things. But, he said, What am I doing? I'm making a choice. I'm being firm. I'm being resolute by sitting saying, the thing that's going to motivate me is, thy will be done. When I put myself at a place where I know the will of God, and I'm living and I'm walking in the center of the will of God, I live in the expectation of his will manifesting itself, and I'm living in the expectation of heaven coming to earth. Why? Because I'm in his will. We get to bring heaven to earth when we create an atmosphere for relationship that invites heaven to earth. It is an atmosphere defined by worship, surrender, and obedience. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12 says from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Do you know who the violent are? Everybody raise your hand. You are violent according to the Bible. You are violent. Do you know what it means? It means God is saying this. My agenda and my intention is for heaven to invade your world. I'm living in that paradigm. I'm living in that prospect. I'm living in the expectation of who I am in my world. I'm living in the, in the expectation that heaven invades every part of what your life is all about. That's what God is doing. And he's sitting saying, if you want that, take it by force. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it feels like. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter about society. It doesn't matter about everybody's ideas. It doesn't matter about politics. It doesn't matter about government. It doesn't matter about Afghanistan. It doesn't matter about anything. You sit and say, fine, I'm taking it by force. Force. It's about worship. I see what the worth and value of that is. It can take me beyond the boundaries of my life. It can introduce me to possibilities that I'm not able to access right at the moment. And I'm committed to that because I see that's the will of God. And I'm moving in that direction. The things that you're going to have to war against is your flesh and the carnal mind. When God comes and he begins to speak to you, after he had called Abraham to sacrifice his son, he takes him outside and he says to him, do you know what your lineage is going to look like? He says, nah. He says, okay, let me give you an idea. Look up. What do you see? And he says, a sky full of stars. He says, that's what it's going to look like. 
from nothing to abundance. When God meets you at your point of need, he doesn't introduce you to a speck or a morsel or a mild adjustment. He says, I'm going to flood you with my blessing. And so when he introduces you to something, he's introducing you to possibilities. And invariably, the first time that you look at it, your mind is going to try and get itself wrapped around it. And you're going to look at that stuff and sit and say, I can't do this. He knows you can't. That's why when God comes and speaks to you, do you know what he does? He doesn't talk to your flesh because your flesh is in rebellion. And your flesh is running all over the place. And your flesh wants to do what your flesh wants to do. And he doesn't talk to the way that you think because my thoughts can't accept his things. My thoughts can't accept his ways. They foolishness to it. So he comes and he speaks to the Christ on the inside of me, the author and the finisher. And he says, okay, author and finisher, let's do something. Here are the stars. How do we make the stars a reality in this life? And when he walked around and people looked at him and people laughed at him, you know what he said? It's written in the stars. It's written in the stars. You can't see it, but I can. You can't get it, but I can. Why? Because he was at a place where he understood the worth and the value of a lifestyle committed to him. He understood That every time he introduced me to something, he was taking me on a journey in a practical way that he was introducing me to newness and who I am and who I could be. And every step I took, I was walking into destiny and getting a little bit closer to purpose. That is the practical reality to what a lifestyle of worship is all about. Father, I just want to thank you for the kingdom. I thank you for the kingdom that's alive. I thank you. Home is within the heart. I just want to bless you for that. I thank you, Father, for people who love going home. I thank you for people who sit and recognize the value of home and Father and provision. And I pray, Father, that as we navigate this week, we will set as a priority for our lives the intention to seek first the kingdom. We prioritize kingdom first. We adjust our life and we adjust our worship to set as a priority and a value in our life, kingdom. I thank you, Father, for champions. I thank you for warriors. I thank you, Father, for people who are big and strong and overcomers. I want to thank you, Father, for people who take the kingdom by force. And it doesn't matter how I feel, and it doesn't matter what I think, and it doesn't matter about society. Nothing else is of consequence because I'm committed and purposeful in finding myself walking in the will of God. I speak blessing over every life here and over every life listening right now. Can we all please stand? Before we leave, 
I want to extend an invitation. If you have a situation or a circumstance in your life and you need heaven to invade it, come up front at the end of the service because there'll be people to pray for you. And introduce you to God's power and God's influence in that situation. But I will encourage you. Once you've been prayed for, make a change. Make an adjustment. Be intentional about living a life of worship. Because when you leave here, your thoughts are going to come up. And your feelings are going to come up. And voices are going to interrogate you. And unless you're grounded in worship, you'll find yourself back where you were. The violent take it by force. Have a good week.